Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. I wouldn't want it to be too perfect every night. It is live after all. Working at Lincoln Center, it sounds very huge and elevated. And that's what it feels like, like once you're working there. Because rent is about much more than just friendship, love, and musical theater. It was about something that shook musical theater. People are becoming more and more comfortable I mean, we do it all. I mean, you know, we don't we don't back away from anything. Welcome to Broadway Bullet, Volume 313 for May 21st, 2009. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo. we got a lot of great stuff for you this week. we got an interview with the creators of the new festival, Planet Connections Festivity. Uh, we got the creators of Rooms. Unfortunately, it's already closed off-Broadway, but I'm sure it's going to have a healthy life in regional theater, and you can find out more about the show here. Uh, we're going to hear a song from Stephanie Block's new solo CD. We've got also a track from the just-released cast album of story of my life and we're going to also talk and get up close with tony nominee lee rothberg nominated for sound design for joe turner's come and gone so we got a great episode for you uh, i just want to say that i i got, I got kind of sick last week it kind of threw me out for a few days so that's why this episode is basically a week late and because that also backed me up in terms of scheduling interviews for the next episode we're going to change the schedule still bi-weekly but now we're going to be the first and the third Sunday of the month. Uh, indeed, this is the third Sunday of May. All right, so with that all in mind, let's get rolling onto the program. Hi, this is Brian Darcy James. You're listening to the Broadway Bullet, and come see us in Shrek the Musical. On the boards. All of you festival nuts out there, June has been missing a festival, but now Planet Connections Theater Festival will be coming June 11th to the 28th. We've got Executive Director Glory Bowen and Managing Director Jen Bame here to discuss this exciting new festival. And uh, why, don't you, why don't you guys introduce yourselves quick so that people can connect your name with your voice. All right. I'm Glory Bowen, Executive Director. And I'm Jen Bame. I'm the Managing Director. All right, so Planet Connections Theater Festival, um, what is it all about? Well, it's actually a theater festivity. Oh, it's a festivity, <laughs> not a festival. Festivity. Yes, yes, it is. Um, but it uh, was founded uh, by me and uh, my co-executive director, Frank Callow. And we both have a long background in community service, and Frank... Uh, has worked in a food bank, and uh, I've gone down to uh, New Orleans to work with Katrina survivors, and I work in a soup kitchen. A lot of community service. A lot of community what, what service. What was your crime? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? What, what, what was your trouble with the law? <laughs> Not getting caught. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So we wanted to combine our passion for community service with our passion for theater. Isn't it the same thing? 
<laughs> I know that when I ran a community theater back home, sometimes getting enough guys to do like, you know, Seven Brides or Seven Brothers, it's like, oh, my girlfriend's making me do it. <laughs> right, right. Well, all of uh, the productions in our festivity uh, <laughs> support a different nonprofit organization. So, do that- people get up and dance naked in your festivity? and. Mm, no, it's not. It's not like the ancient Greeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, although there is a, f- a festivity lounge uh, where there will, will be some uh, liquor and isn't organic like a, food. Isn't that like and, one of those oxymorons? Lounge and festivity. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you can lounge at a festivity if you want to. <laughs> to each his own. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so all the shows have you said a, a charity angle helping out a yeah they have a different said, had you mentioned that yet I don't know yeah they have a different nonprofit organization there's 28 different nonprofit organizations associated um, you know like the Actors Fund Amnesty International ASPCA Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS et cetera et cetera I mean there's 28 of them so. <laughs> Are, are any of the directors of the shows going, hey, wait a minute, I, aren't I a charity case? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't not theater yet. at this level a charity case? <laughs> not not <laughs> yet. Not yet. Um, but I do think it's important to inspire artists to connect with uh, different social causes that they're interested in. So was it a problem getting any of the benefiting charities on board? No, actually, a lot of them are very excited about it because a lot of them. Oh, tell us about the ones that aren't. <laughs> <laughs> what she meant was they are all excited. Actually, they're all excited about it, and um, yeah, so yeah, but they are, they are, because uh, they get a lot of press, and also a lot of times they get money. A lot of the productions are donating part of their proceeds. Uh, to the nonprofit organization, so. Well, I'm just going to because you know. So before people forget, you know, at the end of the interview, or whatnot, I will mention people can find out more at www.planetconnectionfestivity.com. Correct. <laughs> correct. All this information we go on. Um, so there's like 31 shows, is that right, or is that? I think there's 35. 35, 35. actually. Mm-hmm. And what what kinds of material does this encompass? It ranges from everything from musicals to straight plays, uh, comedies, dramas, adaptations of classics, a variety of different shows. Uh, there's a show about Cleopatra. There's a sh- an adaptation of Moliere's uh, The Imaginary Invalid. Um, there's a play about vampires called Suckers. There's got to be a play about vampires. Absolutely. Why not? When, and they're, and they're, they're, they're benefiting the Red Cross Blood Bank. So, wow, that's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How's that for appropriate? <laughs> We'd like you to come down and donate. Yeah, please come down and donate your blood. People are Trained professionals, of course. Yes. But a, a variety of everything, really. Um, there's a show for everyone out there. Is there strippers? No. <laughs> Damn it! I don't believe so. You lost me. But oh, there, no. is a, there is a play about Anne Sexton. I don't know if that interests you. And also Emily Dickinson. There's a play about her. Mm-hmm. And She's there's hot. another play about Dorothy Parker. <laughs> yeah. I think they're all pretty attractive. And Cleopatra. Really. I mean, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What else do you need? Mm-hmm. You can go to Egypt. It, that's a musical, actually. It's mm-hmm. a musical of Cleopatra, so... So, also, I understand, amidst all the various high-minded ideals of the festival, you're also going green with this. Well, we're Does eco- that mean we're performing in the dark? 
Uh, no, no. <laughs> I think it's but like somebody you... else who rode bicycles to power a light. That'll be glory. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm serious. I talked to somebody who was like doing his angle. That's yeah, man, I'm trying, trying to get in shape, so I thought I'd, you know. Uh, n- no, that's uh, that's not what's uh, going on with that. But we are doing a lot of other great stuff. We're making every effort really to be as green and eco-friendly as possible, really by reducing, reusing, and recycling. We're going to have recycling bins for uh, glass, aluminum, plastic, paper. Uh, We're going to recycle our playbills as often as we can. Uh, We're also going to reuse tickets. We're going to encourage patrons not to print out their email confirmations and consider the environment instead. Uh, Yeah, the ticketing system's really great. mm -hmm. It's going to be laminated and reusable show tickets that will be collected from the audience members as they enter the theater for repeated use throughout the length of the festivity. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we're using recycled and recyclable paper products when we do have to uh, print things. You do and using recycled actors? <laughs> hmm. I don't know if we should answer. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. <laughs> we also, uh, because, I'm get a big head. because we're a, a nonprofit, <laughs> a nonprofit festivity, we do also have access to materials for the arts mm-hmm. and to the TDF costume shop. So a lot of people are getting recyclable sets and. Uh, renting costumes. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you have any actors who are like little brothers that are going, hand me downs again! <laughs> I, I haven't heard that response just yet, but um, I certainly haven't heard that response to the DDF costume shop <laughs> where most of uh, the Broadway costumes go there right. when they have completed their run and uh, they rent them out. Right. I think it's more like, cool, this is really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> As a- are, are they a sponsor? Uh, the TDF costume yeah. shop. They're not a sponsor, oh, per se. It's just that we're okay, working with them. We won't, we won't them. say their address, then. We're just working with them. <laughs> <laughs> They're one of our wonderful partners that have yeah. come on board to help us out. Yes, absolutely. Well, one thing, with all the festivals going on in, in New York, and it seems to be getting more and more of them, uh, from an artistic level, okay, obviously we, you really got out your reason of why you wanted to do this festival. But beyond the altruistic reasons, why did you feel there's another festival needed in New York City? Um, well, I think that there needed to be a place where artists who were interested in doing eco-friendly theater and who were interested in being involved with these nonprofit organizations and supporting them could work. I think a lot of the other festivals are geared towards uh, getting to getting to the commercial theater level um, or that type of a thing. And I think that obviously we are more altruistic people, and that's where our focus is. And we want to unite with other people who are like-minded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. In this pool of uh, with all these festivals and all, everybody looking to put on, you know, thirty shows, is there is there getting to be a point where we're getting saturated with? I, I mean, is it going to be a problem for all the various festivals to find good shows? No, I don't think so. Um, theater will always be popular, and people will always want to see it, and people will always want to do it. Uh, I myself go around and see productions at least once a week at the indie theater level, and I invite some of the artists that I see that I like and uh, think are doing quality work to be a part of Planet Connections. And as we expand, hopefully we will have more quality artists. So was there a submission process at all, or was it just you talking to the people that you had seen and being familiar with the community? There was both. There was Mm -hmm. both. 
And I definitely make an effort. I mean, sometimes I go to the theater four or five times a week. Um, and I've been doing that for four or five years. Mm-hmm. And so I think at the end of that, you certainly know a lot about the independent theater community and their artists and what you're interested in. So do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> Four to five times a week? He's either hating you or you don't have one. I do, I do have a boyfriend. I do have a boyfriend, and he's also in the theater, and he goes to see the shows with me. <laughs> Support. Seems. And that's how it works. <laughs> so uh, in this process, what were some of the... You know, obviously, we don't have time to talk about all 35, and so you're going to have to choose some favorites here for a moment. You know, what what are some of the shows that are most exciting you? Not to say anything bad about the other ones. I think you should pick Jim because oh I have no favorites. Um, wow, I the ones you didn't pick are going to be like you know setting up a Facebook page and like <laughs> oh no, oh, no. Um, flame Jen. Well, right. exactly. Why don't you mention some of the ones that haven't gotten mentioned? Right, yet? Well, I'm really excited uh, with by a show that's entitled Everybody Dies. <laughs> yeah, really like the Lieutenant Bittersmart. It's probably your cup of tea. It's very exactly. Uh, I'm bloody. It's bloody. Bloody and violent. Sci-fi. And um, everybody dies. And everybody dies. Um, I'm also interested in Our Country, which is a musical as well. Oh, that's going to um, be really funny. About a, um, a country music sensation who was outed in the public restroom and his rise back to fame. Yeah, that's going to be great for the gay lesbian community. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's this country... Western <laughs> gay extravaganza. <laughs> and I I think uh, that Pride Week is actually happening towards the end of the festival. So Did you know be... that most gay people don't listen to country? Did, you, <laughs> I, did, did they think I about that? I don't know if it's in... necessarily <laughs> true. I don't know if that's true. I think a lot of I gay people listen well. to They do, but they don't admit they're gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, they're going to love this well, musical. Well, this is gay Montana. country. <laughs> so. From North Dakota. We are like my folks. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, this is gay country music, though. I think they will. I think mm-hmm. they will. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And child of the And when I was growing up in high school, I would have said all country music is gay, though I've discovered the joys of country since then. Absolutely. And there's also a show called. <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> Not sure how much further we should delve into this. Um, there's also a show called Child of Hungry Times, which is a solo show. It's a poignant and funny solo show about the writings of a Soviet dramatist um, and powerful evening filled with music, potatoes, and Russian jokes. Yeah, really. But uh, Bridget's really amazing. Mm -hmm. She actually toured this show um, over there. That's a quote you put on your gravestone. Yeah. I'm amusing. She speaks speaks fluent Russian, Mm -hmm. and she toured it over there. And I think it's actually going to be touring around Canada next. Mm -hmm. So So it'll be very powerful. Is it on one of those Canadian festivals? I don't. I don't. I don't think it's in a festival. I think she's actually just touring at theater to theater. But you could ask her. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. I'm not sure. So that's a, that's a number of the shows that we're really excited about. There's also a show called Weight of the World um, mm-hmm. about scientists underestimating the pull that an individual can have on the planet. <laughs> and I. It's sort am, of a dark love story. Mm-hmm. It's directed by this guy Jeremy Bloom, who does um, some very striking visual work as a director, who definitely has. You know, is forming a big name for himself on the indie scene right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've so, got a good stuff. So being that this is your first festivity, <laughs> like, right? Thank you. Festivity. PlanetConnectionFestivity.com. Um, what have been the biggest surprises in terms of uh, workload or what proved more difficult than you thought it might be getting this off the ground? Mm. 
Wow. Mm, the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty much everything. Um, I think that there are, are many challenges when it comes to pulling anything like this together. It's not just producing one show, but coordinating 35 different productions under one roof within a three-week period. Um, and they're all whiny artists. No, no they're all wonderful. <laughs> yeah. They're all wonderful. Together, really? Absolutely. I love artists. They're wonderful. But you talk to any producer <laughs> I've seen, and then all of a sudden they become whiny. No, well, I think <laughs> that we... They all want to have no. lights. They all want to have you know, time to rehearse on they, the stage. I think that we attract, we attract <laughs> artists who have altruistic natures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think that everyone has been very accommodating. Are they so altruistic? No, no, no. We don't need any tech time. Let them have two more <laughs> no, hours. No, 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 no. I mean, they want <laughs> they want their work to be a quali- quality, but we do too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. absolutely, I think we all have the same mission, and that's the most important thing, which has made it easier than it might be otherwise. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, scheduling all of these productions together under one roof in that limited amount of time is, is certainly been a challenge, um, but everyone's been very accommodating, extremely kind and generous and, and understanding. Our, our staff is really great. Mm-hmm. And our staff actually walked in the Revlon Walk uh, for Women's Cancer. They raised over $2,000 mm-hmm. for that nonprofit. And one of the things we haven't mentioned that I think we've alluded to over the period is the fact that this is a festival all housed in one building. Mm-hmm. So people in the middle of the awful heat and humidity in June don't have to go running across town or around the village to see multiple shows, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And it's air-conditioned spaces. Good! Mm-hmm. There's a lounge. <laughs> if should you want to see a show and then there's a... You can hang out in between windows. shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> What's that? Uh, it's my girlfriend calling. She just landed in uh, Great Falls, so oh. flying back home. So. I'm sure it's beautiful there. And now she's going, why is he answering? <laughs> <laughs> because he's talking about planned connections. <laughs> Extremely important. Extremely. <laughs> Making a difference. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have muted, but I was actually kind of waiting for that. I'll call her when we get off. She hates flying, so uh, <laughs> she has to let me know she's alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you bet, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, no, again, sorry, off tracking. Where was the fa- where was the location of this festival again? It's at 440 Studios um, at 440 Lafayette Street between Astor Place and East Fourth, right across from the Public Theater. A wonderful location, newly renovated spaces, air conditioned in that hot June summertime. Have a cold beverage while you before you enjoy the show. Um, it's it's going to be wonderful. And there she is. She left you a message. Yeah. She's, she's yeah. safe and sound. <laughs> That's wonderful. See? Aww. And is there any sort of like a multi-show package that people can get to this? or Some of the productions have united to do that type of thing. Um, for example, if you are really interested in women's writers mm-hmm. that I mentioned earlier and you want to see a production about Dickinson, Sexton, and Dorothy Parker, Dorothy Parker mm-hmm. then you can buy all three of those for a discounted rate. Yeah, yeah. So some of the productions are doing things like that. You can look on the website for more information mm-hmm. about that. And, and what would that website be again? www.planetconnectionsfestivity.com. I, I believe we're also working out details, and we can probably announce it on this episode, but I don't know at the, at the time of this interview, but we're probably going to be having some sort of a contest with some sort of a pass or mm-hmm. something for listeners so they can... They can listen elsewhere in this episode, probably, <laughs> to find <laughs> out what those details are. Um, 
So, uh, Jen Bain, mm-hmm. Glory Bowen, thanks so much for coming by to talk about the Planet Connections Theater Festivity. Thank, Thank you. you so much. You thanks. have to say that like festivity. Festivity. It's festive. It's community outreach, community service, and theater. Two of the passions of really everyone. Am I the only person? You might have. We might want to come up with another term than community service. Community outreach. That that might be better. Outreach. I think. I don't think I'm alone in thinking of community service (laughs) as uh, (laughs) you you went to jail or this to avoid jail. (laughs) I understand that. Not that I've been there, but I understand that absolutely. Yes. Community outreach and our our two passions for theater and community outreach. Combining the two and providing people with a really enter- entertaining, artistic, and creative experience. All right. Well, best of luck to your festival. Uh, festivity. festivity. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to be talking to a couple of the shows in a couple episodes down, down the road, but we wanted to get you in ahead of time to get people all, like, juiced and excited about the, the festival and realize it. Festivity! <laughs> and, and, and We're just going to have a little buzzer for you. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, and have a great day. And I'm sure that, you know, when you say that the artists aren't being all whiny, yeah, this is June 11th. So, uh... <laughs> They've been wonderful, and I think they will be. <laughs> I'm sure they will be. They will be. So you got time, and have a great week. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is Karen Oliva. You're listening to the Broadway Bullet. Come see West Side Story. On the boards. Rooms, a rock romance, just opened at the New World Stages on March 16th. And we are so lucky to have the authors here with us today to talk about the show and share a little bit of the music from their B-roll. We've got Paul Scott Goodman here and Miriam Gordon, who uh, did the book. And how are the two of you doing? We're doing fine. We actually both wrote the book. Cold book writers. <laughs> just want to just uh, check that out. Before. But it's lovely to be here. All right. So, well, first thing, you know, first, uh, you know, Paul, you're, I, I think probably the biggest thing that a lot of New Yorkers and other people know you from is you did the music for Bright Lights Big City mm-hmm. as well. And the words. <laughs> music and lyrics, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Miriam, you've co-written with, with Scott on a couple books, and I understand you have a very close working relationship well, yes, we, <laughs> in more ways than one. We, um, well, we're married, firstly, and we we've are? worked together on Was that firstly or secondly? Thirdly. Did you start writing together and then marry, or did you get married and start the writing? writing together came later. We got married. Um, I was actually um, an actress and um, working in a legit theater, no, nothing musical. And yeah, musical theater is not legitimate at all. Nah. <laughs> uh, it's the bastard child. Illegitimate, right. And uh, uh, I was drawn into the musical theater world and started writing with Paul. We, we worked on a show called God Save the New Wave. Then we worked on a show called Him and Her, Tiny Dancer, Domestica. Um, we're working on other shows right now. And, um, and Rooms was about the third show that I worked on with Paul. Mm-hmm. Well, and I imagine now, Rooms is a two-person show, so, uh, and it's a largely dealing with a couple that write together. I'm, I'm assuming maybe a little bit of your relationship came into play with that. Maybe. And maybe we should talk a little bit about what Rooms is indeed about. Actually, Rooms is really not about our relationship at all. <laughs> no. Although, I'm sure our experience has seeped into the plot. But Rooms is ba- really based on an experience I had when I lived in Glasgow when I was uh, about 19, 20 in the late 70s and I started writing songs with this guy called Ian and um, 
from that experience of, of us being songwriting partners was the germ of how Rooms came about. So it's, you know, about 62% autobiographical. <laughs> Maybe 63. I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, well, the accountant is definitely going to be listening yes. closely to determine how much, Depending on how much, money how much Ian is going to sue for. <laughs> I didn't think of that, but you never know. And actually, the, the female character in Rooms is based more on Paul than, than the male character. Right. It's true. Do you, do you have identify with your feminine side? I'm very in touch with my feminine side, actually. <laughs> I think there's several, the several, the right. reason, several reasons for that, but it's, it's deep. And I also look really good in swimsuit. And kilts. And kilts. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go any further, exactly tell us, what is uh, Rooms about? Rooms is about uh, Monica, who is a middle-class Jewish girl in Glasgow in 1977. She wants to be a star. She writes songs, and she needs a partner to write with, and she hooks up with Ian, who's a working-class... Catholic. Catholic boy in the, on the other side of town. And they begin to write, and that invariably leads to romance and travel. They go from to Glasgow to London to New York. So it's, it's, it's their journey. <laughs> so, and... No, you look like you're about to say something. No, I was just going to say, rooms is um, a, a metaphor um, for places visited or journeys taken in one's life uh, in finding happiness and fulfillment. A room of your own. A room of your own. And it, I mean, it's also about ambition, how much of your personal life and personal fulfillment will you sacrifice in order to achieve success. And um, and where do you draw the line? And so it's about ambition or lack of thereof. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a story about two different personalities, how they, they're attracted, attracted to each other, and at the same time, um, how, you know, they really can't coexist. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess that's a nice way of summing it up. I hope. Well, one thing I did think you captured well in the show was kind of the uh, the artistic nature of many artistic relationships in terms of the mutual attraction and repellent at the same time, things that make it hard oh, and... Wouldn't you say that's the same with all relationships? <laughs> I don't think it's exclusive just to uh, to music. But, I mean, it might, it might heighten everything, yeah. the fact that you're actually creating. But, you know, it's no different to me than most relationships, you know, the uh, glow at the beginning and then you know, the troubles and problems that happen on the way and how you resolve them. Right. And, and it's also... Right, darling. Absolutely. Okay. And, and it's also <laughs> universal in the sense that it's, it's a, it is a, a story about two people involved in show business, but it's not really just about show business. It could be anything. It could be any kind of um, career ambition or um, any, any kind of... Pe any two kinds of people who are different from each other in their lives um, would be able to relate to this kind of right. a It's an opposite attracting kind mm -hmm. of love story, I'd say. <laughs> now, the two-person musical, obviously, is very <clears throat> important to get the right cast in place. And you definitely got two very strong performers in the thing, mm -hmm. uh, Leslie Kritzer and Doug Krieger. Did I get that right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm wondering, how long were they involved with the show? I mean, the show, and we'll get kind of into some of the backstory, right. but I know this has been in development at least since 2005. Doug yes. actually auditioned for his last April before we went to Washington. And uh, he 
you know, gave a great addition and callback, and you know, we we did the production over summer, and he's he's great, very consistent performer, total professional. You know, gives it his all every night, and he was an, he was an amazing find for us because you know, no, I don't think anybody had ever heard of him. No, not before that. he came in the room. No. And he was a bit mental in his audition, which I actually <laughs> thought was a, was a big plus, in my opinion. And uh, Leslie Kritzer and I have talked for, about working together for several years. She was actually meant to do the New York Music Festival in 2005, but she got, uh, I think she got trailer the trailer, park. the trailer, trailer park, park musical. musical. Right. And, um, you know, when we were out of town, we had a different actress, but the way things worked out in the end, Leslie was able to do it. And so, I mean, for me, it's a big thrill working with her at last, and... Her reputation precedes her in a good way, I would say. She lives up to all the hype, and she's giving really a remarkable performance every night, which, you know, I'd urge people to see. Well, before we continue, maybe we should take a listen to one of the songs from the show. Now, you're getting ready to record the official cast album, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so this is actually taken live, recorded live on the B-roll. Yeah, yes. uh, sneak, sneak, preview. sneak preview. A little whetting of the appetite. So do you want to set up the first song we're going to take a listen to here? Is it Bring the Future Faster? Yeah, we can make it that. Uh, this is Monica uh, pacing in a room in the middle of the night when all the thoughts are crash banging in her head and, you know, all her ambition and all the want in her is just swirling and roaring. And she sings this song called Bring the Future Faster, which I believe has already become an instant classic. Or was that just a rumour? It, yeah, it, Who it, determined? It, it, instant classic. It's, it's, it's determined a legend. In, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a legend in my song. own lunchtime. Yeah, I know. Okay. All right, so let's take a listen to Bring the Feature Faster. Rock me. One thing I noticed, there's been a lot of so-called, you know, rock musicals out there, and a lot of them seem to be very little rock. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it almost seems to be just like saying more like, oh, it, it's just, it's not Cole Porter. But you actually bring in a lot of actual, you know, I, I heard a lot of rock hooks and actually, you know, uh -huh. a lot of stuff that blended in well with, it seemed almost like your choruses were a little bit more kind of like meant to be like radio sounding rock kind of things and then the verses went into more musical theater territory uh -huh. was that like a kind of a conscious thought as you developed that I think or? it's just well my background is you know a lot in pop music so I'm always into the hook and the chorus but you know my goal in my career has always been to cross pop songwriting with musical theater writing also but, you write on 12 string guitar I write on that's guitar. how he composes mm -hmm. which is very unusual but lyrically, in musical theatre, the goal is, you know, that the lyrics push the story forward, right? And they give, tell you more about the character and they tell you more about the plot. 
So if you can achieve that and at the same time have some kind of pop sensibility with a catchy tune, I think you've got something interesting. You know, because I think people would say rock musicals, it's basically just if they have an electric guitar involved, it's a rock <laughs> musical. Yeah. And to a lot of people, I think that just precludes uh, musical theatre writing craft. Because, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, rock and roll is all guts and sweat and big chords and musical theatre is, is total craft. You've got to work it and rework it. Right. And even, even the, the book in Paul's um, type of music revolves around his songs. Um, you know, the, the show is driven through the songs. And so we try and put as little dialogue as possible and drive the show through the music and the, right. and the songs themselves. They're links. But at the same time, I think that many of the songs within rooms are liftable in their own right. And you could take this, like, bring the future faster out of context, and I think it would stand up as a pop song on its own. And, you know, when people hear the album and people heard Bright Lights, Big City, they had similar comments. But I think this whole idea of, oh, rock musical, ooh, <laughs> it's like it's such bullshit because it's so, you know, rock has been so part of our culture for so long. And, you know, I guess the older guard in the musical theatre establishment automatically recoil when they hear the word rock music. So there's a certain prejudice against them. And I also, I've always found that very interesting considering, of course, musical theater's origins were in the pop music of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow that didn't seem to want to evolve as popular music evolved and changed. Right. Well, and well, then I guess there are those who come to see the show expecting a rock musical, and then they're disappointed that it's not right. a rock musical. I mean, I've had complaints from rock people. Oh, you call that rock music? You know, <laughs> why? Because your ears didn't bleed, you know, after the show. So, well, you know, you can't please everybody, although God knows I've tried. The interesting thing also is some people feel that this show has the feeling of a, a play, even though it's almost completely sung through. And, um, you know, the, and the, I guess, you know, some of the, the way the, the, the songs are interwoven with the story and the dialogue, it all kind of has a feeling of a story being told in the sense of, in the same way that a play would be told. Right. But if you actually really look at it and listen to it, it's really mostly sung through. Yeah, I, I do agree that it did seem to kind of have that more like kind of organic feel that, mm -hmm. uh, of something maybe more like the commitments, except mm -hmm. for the lyrics, you know, uh, told the song a bit more. Um, now, this also had its origins. I'd like to bring this up, considering we do, you know, are the uh, official podcast for the New York Musical Theater Festival, you know, every year, that this did have its origins, uh, yep. at least some of its First early production origins. production was there. Uh, I was friends with Chris Stewart. I knew him for a while, and... Um I guess we, we uh, like with Chris, me and him were always saying, oh, I'm going to do a show. And we eventually came out that we did it. It was in 2005. And it was a big springboard for us. That's where we met our producers and they optioned the show from there. And we were working with Scott Schwartz. It was Schwartz the first time we did the production with Scott. Mm -hmm. And we had uh, Natasha Diaz and Jeremy Kushner played the parts in the festival. In fact, the New York Times came to review our show on our first performance. <laughs> first performance of the festival. Like not, not only that, they came to they came to review our show an hour after we had just yeah, finished tech. We'd finished it, <laughs> and uh, I would add they also reviewed it as if it was a Broadway show. Or right. Two. <laughs> we came out with quite a lots bit. of fun. Lots of fun. <laughs> it was a good experience. I don't think I'd want to do it again, because I mean, you really got to be young. <laughs> <laughs> 
and crazy. And, com- and totally committed. <laughs> but having said that, it's a great thing, you know, and I, I support Isaac Horowitz in everything he does. I think they do like a really amazing job and it is like the Sundance for new musicals. Now, one thing I like to I bring up occasionally, because a lot of people don't realize how long the development process can be for a yep. musical. Um, as you said, this was done in 2005, and your producers optioned it at, at that mm-hmm. point. And had already been working on it for 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, five, actually. No, 1999, I started writing it. Right. Does it get frustrating over the past four years as you as it's been mm-hmm. optioned by a producer? And how, how do you? I mean, four years. It's always frustrating. <laughs> from a million. Kind and that's of, and that's not even a long time. I, I four years. It's like <laughs> a blink of an eye in the world of musical theatre. But I always try and work on three things at once. Right. It's not as though we we've been working on the show consistently for ten years. I, I came in about eight years ago, I'd say, and you know we've been doing other things, and then we would always go back to working on it. And and, um, you know, depending on what situation arose. Um, Artistically and business-wise, sometimes you just need a break from a show. Right. You know, so you hit, you hit a wall with certain things, you know, in the script. And also the business being a bit is, you might get interest, but you know it's still going to be a year till your next, to your first production or something. So, yeah, I've been working on a show called Alive in the World, and Miriam and I are writing this new show called Easter House. Right, and I'm working on a show called Not For Better. About Which is divorce. about divorce. I'm not involved. In, <laughs> not involved in that one. So. And also, we're, tr- we're we're planning on bringing Bright Lights Big City back to New York, so we'll be begun working on that. But um, yeah, you got to be patient. Somebody told me years ago when I first moved to New York and did this, you better have a lot of patience. And I was like, oh fuck it, I'm, I'm going to be in Broadway in a year and a half. <laughs> that was a long but time now ago. Rooms is nominated for three Outer Critics Circles Awards. That's Circle right, Awards. That's what it is, right? Yes, that was, that was nice. OCC, we love you. <laughs> I'd also like to mention that all Drama Desk members have been banned from the theatre. <laughs> is that a joke or is that serious? Well, I'm serious. <laughs> if other people want to take it as a joke, they can. If anyone wants to join you in, know, this I, class, you, I, I mean, fine. I'm thinking about all this. I mean, we give people free tickets to our show so they can come and diss us. You know, you know, we give the New York Times thousands and thousands of dollars to promote our show, free tickets, and then they come and fuck you up. I mean, there's something really <laughs> wrong in the way everything works. So, you know, outside of writing the script and making it as good as you can be, that's one issue. I think the way that the business works and, you know, the emphasis on getting these reviews from certain papers or getting certain awards from certain idiots, it's just way overblown. So, you know... Except the, the OCC. No, well, no, the people who nominate us, I love. In fact, friends, I'm, I'm, going to give them, I'm going to give them a pair of tickets instead of one ticket. <laughs> All the Drama Desk tickets are going to the OCC for next year. They love me out of town. New York, I'm not so sure about. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, why don't we take a listen to... Now, this is... Next song we're going to hear is a solo from the other actor, Doug Krieger, correct? Clean. Yeah, this is when... Uh, he has a problem with alcohol, and he finally decides he's got to get himself together. So without giving too much away, that's the emphasis of the song. All right, well, let's take a listen. Yeah. Hi, my name's Stel Ian. I fell off the wagon. Now I'm back on. Man, the ride is bumpy. God, I love the drink so bad. Feel like I'm a little laddie playing football with my daddy. Getting all emotional. One minute I'm happy, then sad Still the rhythm of the alcohol 
So as we mentioned, uh, the cast album, I, I heard announced that when are you guys going in to record the cast album? The producers are just about to do the deal with Time Life Records, and it looks like we're going to start recording next week or the week after. We're just finalizing the date. But that's going to be a big thing, very exciting for us to do that. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to feature that when it, when the sound when the cast album comes out. No shit, man. <laughs> oh, definitely. So uh, one thing that I, I'm pleased, I was pleased to see when I got the program at the thing is you're definitely embracing new media in terms of promotion. There is a whole mm -hmm. page talking about everything the cast can do to help, or not the cast, the, the audience can do mm -hmm. to help promote the show. And I've always been amazed that more shows don't do not do that. Don't, you know, find a way to, but it, like well, it is especially important for Off-Broadway. It pretty much w costs the same to promote W-I-T, W-I-T, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. listen, I think, you know, in normal times, it's a miracle if a show goes up, right? But in times like this, it's like a double miracle. So, I mean, that whole phase of the show and raising the money, getting the reviews out of town, getting the show to New York and up was a, a, a great achievement. But that phase is over, mm -hmm. and now it's almost the, the bigger achievement is going to be keeping it running. Right. And you, you just, it's, you know, it's just like the presidential campaign. Now it's all Internet. It's all kinds of things that, you know, that right. you can Right. So we have pretty hip producers and, with that. And, you know, we're doing what we can with interviews and everything. And the word of mouth has been great. Really great on the show. So hopefully that will just carry it through. We can continue the run, and the album will help as well. Kind of the, the last thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that it's a two-person musical. Mm -hmm. um, and also, there have been exceptions over the years, and yours was actually one of them. I'm in general leery when I see two-person musical announced. Right. I, I feel like it's going to be a lot of monotony and, and that at a certain point it's going to get, you know, tired. Uh, so you saw the other two-person musical this season? <laughs> no, I didn't actually catch that oh, one. Because there was another one on Broadway, which, uh, you know, I, which yeah. I went to see because I wanted to see how they also... Did the two pairs? Yeah, so that comment isn't a review on that at all. It just—it's more like, a, and I, I imagine I'm not the only one, and so I'm kind of giving mm -hmm. a chance to also clear up, you know, was well, people who want a big splashy yeah. musical obviously are going to look at two person music and go, "What's that?" For me, the challenge as a writer was how do you keep something interesting with just two people, so that you're not relying on big sets or big chorus lines, you know, to keep the story interesting. Um, was it a conscious thought at the very beginning, we want to write a two-person yes. show? Yes. Yeah. And was there a reason for that? Like I say, it was it's a... a simple. And also a, the challenge for me as a writer. But also, I think for producers, it's obviously very appealing. Yeah, there's no, like, changing of sets. Two characters, a few costumes. Simple costumes. It's really a it's very, almost like very... A rock, it's almost like a rock and roll band to me. Like it's the kind of show that you could really pack up in a van and, you know, go on tour. You know, so I mean, right. if you want to look at it that way, I mean, it's not a musical in the true sense of the word, and yet it is. 
Well, I'd say it's very much a musical in the true sense of the word in that the lyrics and the music tell the story. Right. 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 <laughs> but, and to me, that's what a musical is. Right. But I understand the trepidation that certain people would have to see two persons just... Yeah, I want to see a big show. Right, you want to see something, you know, big and splashy. But also, it's and it's, Broadway. It, it does give you an opportunity, which is unusual in a musical, to really go into the characters deep, you know, and go some go to layers where you wouldn't be able to get in a normal musical because there's so many other characters. So what Miriam said before of that it's like a play is true as well. Yeah, it's really important, really important to make sure that the story is tight, the characters are well developed. It's it's difficult. It's not an easy thing to do. Right. I wanted more nudity. Which I thought there, would help, there are no distractions, and so you know you really the the core of the show really has to be done very well right. because there's nothing else to take your mind off of it. The first five ten minutes, like any short, really 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 <laughs> crucial for us because if you get in with them and you follow their story from the beginning, you, you're with them. You, you're in the journey. It's just a matter of like adapting to yourself right at the beginning. I would like to point out um, and maybe get some comments on, on it. There's one song in particular that just craft-wise really impressed me f- from both of you as, as writers, and that was the Scottish Jewish Princess. Do you <laughs> name of that right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a cutout song in the traditional sense of maybe like a Honey Bun from South Pacific, where it's a performance with it's meant to be a performance within a performance. But what impressed me about that, other than just being a song that was performed within the musical as a performance, it still managed to reveal a lot about the characters and the right. story as it progressed. Yeah. Right. When, uh, when, when Paul first played that song for me, I thought he was crazy. I was like, I just didn't understand how it was going to work. And then, it, you know, eventually I began to understand how it was going to work within the show mm-hmm. and the character. And it wasn't something that was obvious to me at first. I have to admit that. It was Paul's genius. I loved it from the beginning. <laughs> it was yet another showstopper in a long series. No, but I, I also think Leslie was very successful. Leslie's really been able to take that song over the top. I mean, yeah. you know, it's good to begin with, but there's something about the way she performs that it really it blossomed into how I always thought it could be, like this kind of great show-stopping comic number. But also, she she was able to comment on the character herself in, in yes. the way she does it. Yeah, and that's exactly what really just impressed me about how that song sat in the musical, rather than just being, okay, we're going to stop and find an excuse to sing a fun funny song. Funny song, right, exactly. You know, right. that it was, did that, you know, classic sense of musical theater, but but managed right. to incorporate a lot more going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. We liked it. So, any parting shots here about rooms before we kind of... Parting shots against other people? Or just, or <laughs> party party shots, whatever that you want. Don't get me started. Yeah, listen, because, you know, listen the, the press agent, press agent he's, he's just sweating. collapsed he's on sweating, the floor. Right. <laughs> it's official. The Lucille Lortels have banned David Gerston from any future events. <laughs> any other awards you want to slam? slam? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Uh, you know what? They want it's a very strange thing because he can have all the intrigue and everything that goes on here. Can you imagine what it must be like with the Oscars? Or I mean, things right, that are right. really huge. I mean, it's really unbelievable how he got swept. And I get annoyed, and yet I'm annoyed at myself for getting annoyed. You know what I'm saying? Right. I can feel myself right. getting swept up. No, look, all that aside, it's really been fantastic to get the show up. I think I'm very grateful. And I just really hope that we can keep the show mm-hmm. going and more people will get to see it and, uh, you know, buy the album when it comes out. Because I think, like you say, with, with two, three listens, you're going to start hearing things that you wouldn't hear all the time in the first time. And what else? Why anything else, Miriam? Um, 
No, no, no. Just, um, My mother's here. She's yes. sitting and listening, and she saw the show twice. Actually, she could probably vouch for me that when you see the show the second time, it's even more wonderful than the first. <laughs> is, is she a rock and roll? But that's my too? mother. My mom, my mother, my guy. I had to like plead with her to take the safety pin out of her ear before she came up. She yeah. shook her head no when she I asked if she was a rock and roller. Yeah, stop ripping your tights, mother. But no, well, you know, this is our chance to promote the show. Come on, yeah, everyone. No, we love get, it. You know, go, get go, into the theater, go see it. It's it's great. It's something that you know is not typical of what's out there. And it's a lot of fun. And we're getting Great a lot. Performances. We're getting a lot of people coming back two, three, four times, which to me yes. is, is really, yeah. even really beautiful. A lot of actors are coming to see the show a lot. Yes, they, you know they're uh, they you know they they just love the performances yeah. and you know and they they're really into the show, which always it's always interesting right. to me. I've, like few actors have come back several times, so it's I guess all that good. means it's good, right? <laughs> All right. Well, Paul Scott Goodman and Miriam Gordon, mm-hmm. I thank you so much for coming down and, and chatting about the process behind Rooms. It's at the New World Stages. And is there a website they can go Room, to? Rooms, roomsmusical.com. Room's is that or right, ro- Or roomsarotromance.com. <clears throat> both of them work? Yeah. <laughs> this, it, I think they both work. I we have about 20 different links that can work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, best of luck as your show goes forward. Rock on. <laughs> Stephanie Block has appeared as the Green Witch Elphaba in Wicked. She headed up uh, the Pirate Queen, and now she's in 9 to 5, and she's also, in her busy, busy time, released her first solo CD, This Place I Know, out on PS Classics. And here's one of the songs from the CD, Making Good, by Stephanie Block. That hatchet-faced hag who is pointing at me with a sneer, I don't see her. Those giggling girls with the whispers they want me to hear, I don't hear them. The boy with the spitball behind me, if I suddenly turn, oh look, he's lost his nerve. Right now I'm their prey, right now I'm their quarry, but there'll come a day they all will be sorry, and sorry will be all that they deserve. Long, long last time making my way out of here Erase the past, it's as of today Clean and clear Today I stood my quest To find my special destiny Do more than just the best I could Cause in my gut I know I can do something great I don't know what yet, but when I'm through Just you wait I could make world hunger cease Or else maybe paint a masterpiece Something that astounds Something that amazes Something that has everybody Singing my praises At long, long last I'm taking my turn And my, oh my 
Place I know is available now at stores everywhere, including iTunes and Amazon. The Producers Perspective. Hey, everybody! It's Ken Davenport with theproducersperspective.com. You know, ever since I was a little kid, I was somewhat of a computer geek. I was the kid that when my parents took me to the mall and said, "Okay, wander around for a couple hours and meet us in front of the J.C. Penney at two o'clock." Uh, I would just run to the Radio Shack and hop on a TRS-80 terminal and stay there for the whole time uh, until it was time to go. And that love of computers definitely stayed with me through my childhood and the Apple IIe and the TI-99, Commodore 64, and all the way up into the computers which are in front of me now. And it stayed with me in my professional life as well. You know, it was 1993, and I was a production assistant on My Fair Lady. Uh, in 1993, computers were still relatively new, especially to the theater, which, as I've said before, is about 10 years behind in technology use. So when I said that I could use a computer and type up a rehearsal schedule and add some clip art, they put me to work right away. And to this day, I spend the majority of my day and night online in front of a computer trying to figure out how to harness that power and use it to market my shows. So I thought I'd take this podcast to share with you my four simple goals of internet marketing. Now, before we get into those four goals, it should be stated that the finish line for all marketing advertising is to get people to complete a purchase and to get them to complete that purchase as quickly as possible. You want conversions and you want them fast. Now, the four simple goals that I'm going to describe to you now are the internet or website goals that help you get to that finish line. In other words, here is what you should be doing on your website or with your internet marketing to help sell your stuff. Now, number one, the first goal of internet marketing is to get people to your site. Web traffic is the only kind of traffic that's good. Frankly, I'm surprised it's even called traffic. It's the only type of traffic that I'd like to be stuck in. Now, not surprising, the best way to drive traffic is from online sources rather than offline. It's exceptionally hard to get someone to visit a website from seeing a billboard, a print ad, or a sticker on a lamppost unless there is some compelling call out to visit that site that forces the person to go. Like if your site was called getfreegold.com. And frankly, even that's hard to do. 
the easiest way to get people to your site is online to online promotion, links, banner ads, etc. That's the quickest way to get traffic to your site. Now remember, while lots of traffic is good, it's qualified traffic that you really want. You want people visiting your website that have a genuine interest in your product or your show and that are naturally inclined to make a purchase. You don't want just web surfers. I'll give you a specific example. One of my most heavily trafficked sites is www.myfirsttimetheplay.com. It's the website for my show, My First Time. One of the reasons it's so heavily trafficked is that we have a link and a banner ad on myfirsttime.com, the site which provided the source material for the show. Now, you can imagine how much traffic that site gets. And because of that site's sex appeal, it sends a lot of folks our way from all over the world. And frankly, I'm pretty positive that not many of them have ever bought a ticket. Think about it this way. If you're having a birthday party, the people most inclined to give you a present will be the ones that know you. You don't want random people showing up to your party. They're just going to eat all your cake and uh, take up space. Sure, the bigger party, the better. You want people to come to your party that are going to give you something. Translation, you want people to come to your website that are going to make a purchase. Now, frankly, traffic is traffic. The more traffic, the better. But when it comes to spending time and resources on getting traffic, spend time and resources on the traffic that's going to pay off. Didn't cost me anything or take any time to get my link from myfirsttime.com, which is why I did it. Number two, the second goal of internet marketing, get people to stay on your website as long as possible. The longer the, quote, time on site, end quote, per visitor, the longer your marketing message seeps into the visitor's soul, and the more likely that visitor is going to make a purchase. It's like shopping at a mall. Staring at the homepage is like walking by and looking in a store's window. Clicking on some links on your homepage is like going inside that store. You got to get those people inside and give them enough to do and enough to look at until they find something so compelling that they can't leave without taking something with them. So that's where you're building interactivity and games and quizzes and photos and video all within your store to keep them on your site so that your logo, your marketing messages are again getting into their soul. Number three, the third goal, get people to come back to your website. If a visitor doesn't make a purchase, you want to make sure that you get them back to that site as often as possible. New content, special offers and making sure you've captured their information so you can communicate all this information to them. All of this stuff is essential. Keep them coming back, keep them coming back often, and you can increase the frequency and the number of impressions of your marketing messages for free until they buy. If they've made a purchase, they become even more important to you because now they're a potential advocate or ambassador, or as I call, a missionary. Repeat customers are hard to get in our industry thanks to the price board and the lack of updates to what we're selling. We don't have Alter Boys 2.0. But I'd argue that we have more repeaters at shows in the internet age than we did before because websites can re-energize and re-excite faithful customers about a product once they've made that purchase and once you've captured their information. Make sure your site does just that. Recharge that customer like he or she is a drained cell phone. Now, number four, the last goal of internet marketing is to get people to share your website. The web can spread a message faster than any form of communication. And for a marketer, that's exactly what you want, if it's a good message. 
Give your visitors the tools to do just that and, and encourage them to do so. You want your potential and past customers to talk about you, right? They will, but it's your job to give them a megaphone so you can reach as many people as possible. So those are the four primary goals. To summarize, get them to the site, get them to stay on the site, get them back to the site, and get them to share the site. To, stay, back, share. Repeat it over and over. It's your website mantra. Until next time, I'm Ken Davenport from theproducersperspective.com. Hi, this is Christopher Sieber. You're listening to Broadway Bullet. Come see Shrek the Musical. Up close. Leon Rothenberg just received his first Tony nomination for sound design for Joe Turner's Come and Gone, a nomination he shares with Scott Lehrer, who he interviewed last year. And we have got Leon here in the studio to talk about uh, sound designing and Tony nominations and all that fun stuff. How are you doing? Good. I'm very good. Thanks. I understand right at the moment you're working on a really realistic sound design of a cough. Yeah, cough. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You could say that, yeah. Bigged up a cold over the weekend after all the excitement over your Tony nomination? Yeah, on and off and on and off, and then it hit again (laughs) yesterday, so... So, tell us a little bit about uh, your work with Joe Turner's Come and, uh, Come and Gone. Uh, sound design is a very kind of a... It's a hard thing to talk about, isn't it? It is. It's a hard <laughs> thing to talk about. It's a hard thing to um, be specific about uh, when you're... Uh, especially in the course of, of trying to relate it to a text. Um, because it, it's such a... You know, it is very ephemeral. And it is very sort of non-subjective. So, it's... It's a difficult thing to say. To say yes, the crickets really bring out the blue in the eyes of the character, or some such thing like this. You know, it doesn't really doesn't really work that way. In the same way that you know, lighting a costume or lighting a set with wood, or or you know, playing those sorts of elements against each other. So, um, you know, you can still think of it in terms of colors and and um, and space and texture and and all those sorts of things. But um, how you actually do that is a little harder to. Um, describe, except that you can say, yes, that's it, when you found it. So, so how did you end up doing uh, sound design for theater, and, and what is some of your training background? I, uh, I started in, um, in music, like I guess a lot of people do. I, I um, trained as a composer um, and, uh, and started writing music for the theater department when I was an undergrad and did a few shows that way. And then uh, um, also got a degree in computer science, so went off and uh, wrote software during the tech boom for a couple of years, and um, and then um, went back to school to concentrate on theater and sound design and whatnot. It turns out that computer science and composition were uh, pretty much what sound design is, or at least was for me when I was figuring out how to do it. So, so I started that way, and then you know I did a lot of sound mixing uh, starting in high school and through college and and all that mixing rock and roll and mix the musical in high school because we had mics and all that <laughs> back then. You had mics in high school? We had wireless and floor <laughs> mics. And, uh, and and one of the things that I realized much later was probably my first inkling of being a sound designer was uh, was um, uh, we had the, the high school auditorium had two a main stage in the middle and then two side stages where we would play smaller scenes. And we had floor mics for the side stages, but the... Uh, the amplification still came through the center cluster or the center one, and it really bothered me that the voices didn't sound like they were coming from the side stage. They were coming from the uh, the center. So had I solved that problem, I'd be a lot farther along <laughs> when I started, perhaps. But but that was that was a uh, I guess I didn't realize it, but that was uh, 
that was a sound designer mind starting to wake up, I suppose. Now, how long have you been working? You've worked on a couple shows with Scott Lehrer, correct? Scott, Scott and I have worked on uh, three other shows together. Okay. Um, I, uh, I met him through a mutual friend um, from Los Angeles, a, uh, a puppetry artist named Janie Geyser, who, um, when I told her I was moving to New York, she said, uh, oh, well, you should, you know, this guy did a lot of work for me. You should get in touch with him. So I, uh, I got in touch with him. We chatted. There was something maybe we, I could have assisted him on, and he... Um, but the scheduling didn't work out, and then a couple months passed. The scheduling changed. It did work out, and so we we did that. And then um, I uh, I moved into a studio space in his studio space to have a uh, an office that wasn't in my house, and um, kind of just uh, you know collaboration went from there, I guess. So, what other uh, areas do you still pursue in uh, recording and sound design and composition and whatnot? Um, composition when I can, you know, so a couple of times in the last few years when it's show has needed something, but, um, um, sort of in between projects to try to, try to keep the chops up. Um, still doing, uh, do a film project every once in a while, you know, like a small thing or something with Janie actually. Um, but mostly live theater and, um, live sort of events. I've done a couple of shows with Cirque du Soleil and that sort of thing. What is it? Cirque du Soleil, what have you done with Cirque du Soleil? And I imagine there's a lot of kind of craziness there. There, there is. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's pretty cool because they are they're always on the bleeding edge of technology and and able to support it. So you get to try out a lot of you know you're not really um, you get to try out a lot of ideas and a lot of things and and explore and there's time to explore. So it's it's a lot of fun and the shows are very exciting. So you got anything coming up in the pipeline? Um, a few uh, a few regional shows over the summer, and um, the, uh, a little film that I'm working on right now, and and uh, and that sort of thing. But at the moment, it's a little bit um, vacationy, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm getting the impression that you fill up like eighty, ninety percent of your docket with actually theater oriented. <coughs> is, is that? Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, is that pretty common? It, it seems like there wouldn't be that much work in sound design. It seems like you'd be working for like. A few weeks getting a show going and then... Oh, no, no, no. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's the same. It's not quite as long as a director or a scenic designer would work on a show, but, I mean, it. you know, it's... Um, you know, for a regional show, you might you might be out there for two or three weeks but have a couple of couple of weeks of prep before that, and then for a Broadway show, it's, you know, anywhere between two to three months to four months to, you know, five, six, depending on what the... The, the prep time is there's some shows uh, have a longer production period. The Cirque shows have a 12-week production period, so that you, you work on that for quite a while. But um, nothing lasts two weeks. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, any advice for people who are looking to get into you know, sound design with theater? Yeah, work as hard as you can, and then try to work harder. And, uh, and if you have an idea, try to... Um, Try to implement it. Don't uh, don't stop short on on anything. Just work work your ass off, nonstop, because it's a it is a difficult business and it's a difficult business to succeed in. And it's it's uh, it's a great job, but it's it's a hard job. So so uh, my advice to anyone is is um, uh, if you think you're working hard enough, you're not, and you should work harder. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. And, of course, enjoy it, I suppose. You should enjoy it, too. So uh, just a couple of shows, just to wrap up some of the shows that you've worked on, very prominent. You've done The Coast Utopia, uh, South Pacific, Impressionism, and you're Tony Name for Joe Turner's Come and Gone this year. So, Leon Rothberg, I thank you so much for coming down, and best of luck, come Tonys. Thank you. <laughs> The story of my life may have had a too short run on Broadway, but PS Classics has decided to release the cast recording featuring original talents Malcolm Getz and Will Chase, and the cast album is out now everywhere, including Amazon and iTunes. Here's one of the songs from that show. Here's where it begins. Something is approaching, Alvin. This is where it starts. My God, you're dull. Tuesday's embryonic idea. Wednesday could be climbing the charts. Ah, look at that snow. Suddenly, imagination percolates and spins. Excellent packing qualities, a light dusting of powder. That's the ancient art of creation. The perfect combination. And here's where it begins. Come on, let's go outside. A spark can be extinguished, Alvin, with the slightest move. Let me fan this flame of a thought, at least until I'm into a groove. It's not gonna last forever. Ideas are just visitors, ephemeral and rare. I just need something down on this paper. Still nothing there. Look up from your page, Tom. Where's the inspiration? A writer needs a muse. I need some inspiration. There's not much here to use. If you need me, I'll be outside maintaining a tradition alone. Aren't you a little old for that? Ideas are important, but ideas aren't enough. Next you need a viable outline, then the work gets tough. And that's the part that separates the children from the man. Then your only friend in the world becomes your favorite pen. I'm making a snow angel! Structure, you struggle with structure and form. Working out one little spot, a twist of the plot, but still you're just getting warm. Patience, with patience you finish a draft. Assuming you get to this part, it's 10% art, really it's more about craft. And the rules are swimming through your mind Because you memorized each textbook and lecture Every detail is reworked and redefined The building stories is just architecture Look at me, Tom! Look at me! Oh, oh I got snow down my <laughs> pants! But it's elusive, Alvin It's like angels in the snow Turn your back and there they go It's life. <laughs> Stand back, Al! Here I come! Everything is starting, Alvin. Everything is real. Make your angel right over here. The snow is just ideal. If only for a moment we'll have perfect angel twins. <laughs> Thank you for the mind demonstration. Now move out the way. This might be the most inspiration you have felt all day. That's the ancient art of creation, proudly on display. And here's where it begins.
curtain call. Well, that wraps up Volume 313 of Broadway Bullet. We're going to be back on June 4th. Again, we're going to be doing the first and third Thursday of the month, uh, switching that up a little bit. we got some exciting stuff for you. We should have some Tony nominees on, as the show's going to be going up right before the Tony Awards. And we're also going to be having the fifth installment of Broadway Abridged Live. This time, uh, Gil Verad and uh, his troop of actors handle Little Mermaid a bridge, so you don't want to miss that. Be sure you tune in. Uh, subscribe in iTunes. Tell your friends. Come on, give us a review. They really help. Give us a review in iTunes, a five-star rating. It all really helps. Uh, so, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and thank you for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet. The hairs went up on the back of my neck. The Broadway Bullet! It's a thrilling moment. With Dobbs, I should come up. We are so ready and so, Unpackage those things with the audience and explore them a little bit. So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And, if that isn't enough, we've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments, even private loans, if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, Go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.